The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast paced. I don't even know what to say about the Red Sox anymore. Honestly, I need to stop giving Sox predictions. Opinionated. Justin Fields will make the Patriots regret choosing Mac Jones. You just wait for it. To the point. The Pats are a run first team. Period. End of story. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show right here on a Thursday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Once again, short show today going up until just 6-10. And we have Red Sox baseball coming up. Game four of a crucial four-game series in Tampa against the Tampa Bay Rays. Next week, we'll have three full shows, so very excited about that as we'll be in game week for the Patriots. We'll have plenty to get to on the Pats and on the Red Sox next week as well. And uh, next week, three full shows, but today, another short show, and we're going to do all we can inside these next 40 minutes. I am very, very excited about our guest today. Coming up at 545, 15 minutes from now, we'll be joined by former NFL quarterback and first-round pick Jason Campbell, played for five NFL teams, most notably with the Washington football team. He'll have some great perspective on both the positions of Cam Newton and Mac Jones because he's been the vet and he's been the young guy, the first-round pick. So Jason Campbell with us at 545. As always, you can get in on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. Again, that's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Lego! Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I have a two-part question for the audience here. A two-part question for the audience. 802-585-3026, Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line. I need your answers to this. Okay. Part one of my question is, do you think that Cam Newton was blindsided by what happened to him in Foxborough this week? Being out and out released by the Patriots, do you think Cam Newton was blindsided by that personnel decision. That's part one. Part two, do you think that Cam Newton deserved better than he got from the Patriots? Again, 802-585-3026. Let me address the first part first. I do believe that Cam Newton was blindsided by the events of this week. Not necessarily blindsided by the idea that he wasn't the starter you know and cam knows this when you draft a young quarterback you're immediately on an expiration date when you're the veteran so i don't think it's necessarily blindsiding that cam lost the job but to lose a roster spot entirely i think cam newton completely blindsided by that okay he could not have seen that coming nobody saw that coming and based on cam's actions and emotions in the final preseason game on sunday against the giants phil perry our guy from nbc sports boston he agrees that cam was blindsided he certainly looked like a happy-go-lucky guy he's dancing he's he's leading the huddle talking a lot i mean i i think he probably was pretty blindsided by this yeah i don't think cam saw this coming how could you nobody saw this coming 
I don't think Cam did either. Cam Newton was given nothing but praise throughout his tenure in Foxborough. He's been given plenty of positive reinforcement even through a season last year in which he wasn't always particularly good. He's been given public reassurances. All of that would lead me to believe that if I'm Cam Newton, I would have at least a roster spot available to me. So to be cut entirely, I'm sure he was absolutely thrown a loop by that decision. I'm sure not only did Cam Newton think he played well enough to have a roster spot, he also knew or at least thought that he was in a spot where he was liked, appreciated, and valued. And generally, when you are liked and valued, you're not kicked to the curb, and Cam Newton was. I have to believe that this caught him completely off guard. Text line open. Again, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Tyler in Jericho says, Brady, alluding to something you just said, don't you think Cam knew since they drafted Mac Jones that his time was almost up? It can't be blindsiding if you sense it's coming. I agree that Cam knew he wasn't long-term in Foxborough. I said all along, I thought Cam Newton was done in Foxborough after this year. Either he was going to play poorly and they were just going to be done with him, or he was going to play so well that he was certainly going to price himself out of what the Patriots wanted to pay. So I thought all along, this was the last year in Foxborough for Cam Newton. But I think that for the immediate future, Cam thought this was his job until he played poorly. And I don't think Cam played poorly, so I'm sure that Cam doesn't think that Cam played poorly. Cam is smart. He knew when he told us. He knew that Mac Jones is the future of the Patriots, but Cam had to have thought that he was the now based on what was said and based on how he played. And Cam Newton was welcoming to Mac Jones. He was complimentary of Mac Jones. He was helpful to Mac Jones. I really think he saw himself as the big brother type to Mac Jones. Would he be doing that if he thought that he was going to be completely supplanted from the roster entirely? My guess would be no. If Cam knew he was in a full-throated competition that could result in him not only losing his job, but being completely unemployed, I don't think that Cam would have acted that way. So yeah, he knew he wasn't long for Foxborough beyond this year, but I think he thought this was his job until he played poorly, and like me, I'm sure he thinks he didn't play poorly enough. Question two that I asked the audience, and I still want your input on this on the text line, 802-585-3026. Did Cam Newton deserve better than what he got this week from the Patriots? And for me, that's a question I've been going back and forth on all day. Did Cam deserve better? Was he done wrong in this? My gut tells me that Cam Newton deserved better publicly. Publicly, I think Bill Belichick should have deviated from his script a little bit and talked up Cam to the media the other day. I would have liked to see that. Thank Cam for what he did. Wish him well in the future. I also think it would have been appropriate for Robert Kraft to say something or release at least a statement. Thank Cam for what he did and thank him for 
what he did for the community last year in terms of helping make Patriots football fun during an otherwise really rough year for our country. That, that can't be forgotten. Last year stunk. 2020 stunk. We had football. We had a fun personality running things for the Patriots at quarterback. And Cam made Patriots football fun in an otherwise unenjoyable year from a record standpoint and from just a, a, a general year standpoint. I think it would have been appropriate for Bill Belichick to acknowledge Cam more publicly and for Robert Kraft to wish him well on the way out. And so publicly, I think Cam deserved better. Now, I don't think Cam deserved to be cut, period. But it is hard for me to say that he deserved a better in-person handling of his cut. Two weeks ago, I would have told you that if Cam Newton was to be cut, Bill Belichick should be, you know, should have called him into the office, told, spoken with him for an hour, answered questions, given him honest answers, honest assessments, told Cam he'd answer phone calls from other coaches on Cam's behalf. Two weeks ago, I think Cam deserved a full exit interview and a full discussion as to why this was being done. But now... I don't think Cam deserves a better in-person firing than he likely got. I picture what Cam got to be very impersonal. Two weeks ago, I would have thought he deserved something more personal. Now, I don't think so. I think Cam Newton forfeited that right when he became unavailable for five days two weeks ago because of a COVID mishap. When you break the organization or the coaching staff's trust, and when you show that you're unreliable or that you're a risk, you lose some of the niceties that you otherwise would have been afforded. I don't think the vaccination status solely cost him a roster spot, but it certainly didn't help. And that whole situation left a sour taste in the Pat's mouth, and it just kind of soured the end of Cam Newton's tenure. Publicly, Cam Newton should have gotten some greater appreciation from the organization and from the brass, but as far as being cut in a, quote, nicer way, I think you forfeit that when you give the impression that you can't be counted on. And I love Cam, but I'm putting myself in the Patriot shoes right now. When you when you show you can be unreliable or there's elements of you that, are, that aren't to be counted on, I think you forfeit some of that nice stuff. Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury, text line 585-3026. Phil in Middlesex. It's a business Cam couldn't pass. It's a passing league, a.k.a. he didn't deserve better. No hard feelings. It's just business. Marcus in Richmond. Brady, is there even a nice way to be fired from your job? Of course there's a nice way to be fired from your job. We see this all the time in real life. If you're driving around in your car, think about all the times that you've heard somebody say this. Hey, I was at that place for 30 years. I deserve better on my way out. You hear it all the time. Or, hey, I did a lot. I did so much for that place. I made that place look good. I grew revenue for that place. I at least deserved this on my way out the door. Okay? I've been fired before. Okay? I would I said the exact same thing on the day that I got fired. Okay? After all I did for them, they treated me like this. So, Obviously, if, if everybody's PO'd about how they're let go, clearly there is a nice way to fire somebody. Okay, 
disgruntled ex-employees are always looking for a nicer way to be let go. And I think Cam had always been a good soldier. He'd done everything they'd asked. And if that had remained the case, I think he would have deserved a very specific kind of conversation when he was released. But when you do something, again, to endanger the organization's trust in you, I think you become a lot more unceremonious. And and that stinks because overall I think Cam was a good patriot and I think he will be welcomed back in the future. But for now, some of the good faith that was accrued over the last year plus went away and the organization just kind of moved on. And I think, you know, a lot of it, again, centers on the time that he missed and that brought up some red flags, that whole incident. And it kind of just soured the end of the tenure for a lot of people in that Patriots organization. So publicly... I think Cam deserved a little bit more waxing poetic about him. Privately, I think Cam, with this whole thing, maybe wore out his welcome at the very end. And it's unfortunate because I think Cam would have been the best choice for quarterback for the New England Patriots, but ultimately it's not to be. And we move on now to the Mac Jones era in Foxborough. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Pumped for our guest today, Jason Campbell is going to be with us. Former NFL quarterback, first-round pick himself. He's seen the league from Mac Jones's perspective. He's seen the league from Cam Newton's perspective. What should we expect from Mac Jones here in year one? And what's it like to be a rookie who comes into all those expectations? Jason Campbell, former NFL quarterback, with us next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining me now, a guest I'm very, very excited to reconnect with. It's been a while since we've spoken to him. Jason Campbell is with us now, former NFL quarterback. He played with the Washington football team, the Raiders, the Browns, the Bengals, the Bears. He was a first-round pick in the 2005 NFL draft after a great career at Auburn, and he now hosts an Auburn podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Jason, thanks for being with us, man. How are you? Hey, Brady, I can't complain, man. Doing pretty good. Just, uh, I guess you can call it, what, living a dream? <laughs> <laughs> well, we are, you know, just finally, you know, a week and change away from the start of the NFL season. And here in Patriots country, we are knee-deep in Cam Newton, Mac Jones conversation still. So I want to ask you this to start. Cam's my guy. And I was in favor of letting Mac Jones sit. You were a first-round pick who sat for an entire year as a rookie. Did you gain anything from that, or is it better for young quarterbacks to come in and play right away? Well, you know, Brady, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's really like a two-edged sword. Uh, what I mean by that is my first year, you know, you're coming off an undefeated season. Uh, you pretty much almost just won a national championship. Yeah. And when you come into the, the draft, you know, you, you're trying to ride that momentum. You're trying to ride that wave. And then all of a sudden, once you get there, and then once you have a talk with Coach Gibbs, he say, hey, you know, we have Mark Burnell here. We have Patrick Ramsey here. We want to kind of let these guys, you know, take the rims this year. We want to kind of bring you along. And uh, for me, man, it was it was a little bit tough just because of the simple fact that I had that energy already. And I was already had the confidence and the momentum. And then to have to sit for that year, it did help me in a lot of ways. That's why I call it 2 edged sword because I got a chance to learn how to be a pro. I got a chance to learn how to study. 
I got a chance to learn how to, you know, interact with the guys on the team, how to be a pro. Like, that's one thing, how to be a pro. And then how do you break down film as a professional quarterback? You know, and those was all the things that Mark Burnell was able to teach me um, and everything. And I was able to learn a lot from him. So when my time came to play, you know, I was able to go out there and have a pretty good game. My first game, which came in the middle of a season, I would prefer to have the whole offseason yeah. like Matt Jones did and then go into the season rather than come into a, a season where, okay, the team is two and seven or something like that. Then all of a sudden they're asking you to, okay, we want to see what you got now. Like, I like the the fact that if they was going to start him, that they're doing it now and not waiting until like in the middle of the season, throw him in a situation where he hasn't been taking the first team reps for like the last seven or eight weeks. You know, given how the nature of football has changed and given how more guys are playing one sport, there's more seven on seven camps, et cetera. Are guys now more prepared to come out and be pros right away now than maybe you were 15 years ago, just by how the sport has evolved? Yeah, I think so. A lot of it has to do with now these teams, they're running the same offenses in the pros they're running in college. Uh, when I was in the, when I was in college, you know, I ran a pro style offense my senior year, but up to that point though, it was more of a, you know, a college offense and, and it helps when you can take what the team, take what these players do best and not try to take their talents and turn them into what you want to do with your offense. Don't be a stubborn offensive coordinator, you know, be someone that's willing to adapt to the kids ability and I think that's why you're seeing a lot more success now from a lot younger quarterbacks in the NFL is because the NFL has gotten smarter. They're saying, hey, why do we want to make these guys limited within our offense? Let's take what they did so well in college that made them great quarterbacks to be drafted in the first place, and let's build off of that. And I think that's why you're seeing these young guys come out and be able to throw the ball around and, uh, and be more prepared. As a young quarterback, what are your expectations? Like, what should we be expecting Mac Jones to do? Well, you're looking at their schedule, man. They play a tough schedule. Uh, they do have a tough schedule. Um, I listened to a guy yesterday, um, Mr. Pioli, who used to run yeah. the New England Patriots. And he was just talking about Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady when he first started out. You know, they had a great defense and they had a great run game. And that's what you have to look at from this team here. Okay, New England Patriots, they're going to have a really good defense. Uh, that's Coach Belichick's thing is defense. And then from a standpoint of offense, they have a good offensive line, so they're going to be able to run the football. That takes a lot of pressure off the young quarterback. That's where, how they're going to be able to win games is do those two things and then allow him to be in third and short manageable third downs and not in those third and longs and not in a situation where he feel like he got to carry the team every week to win. I think that's why they made the decision is to – that they feel like, okay, we can win games and be in every game if we can manage him at the quarterback position until he's ready to take that next step. So I don't think Belichick would put him in a situation where all the pressure would be on him right now. Former NFL quarterback Jason Campbell, he's the host of the Believe in Auburn football podcast. He's here with us on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You mentioned the great run game and the great defense. That's certainly going to be what the Patriots lean on, but – you know, we see this with other run-first teams, Baltimore, Cleveland, Tennessee. It's great to play when you can play how you like to play, and it's great to play when you can play from ahead. What happens to Mac Jones when he gets down 14 nothing the first time or 20-7? to how, how unsettling is it when you get taken out of that comfort zone? Well, that's a great question, Brady. You think about it, this is a guy that probably has never been down 14-0 ever in his <laughs> career. <laughs> you know, even if he's at Alabama, they already they always played with a lead. So, you know, this is unfamiliar territory for him. If he was to go into a season, he's down 14-0. Um, 
I think the one thing for him is I think they still stick to the plan. I think they still try to throw their way into games with short yardage throws, uh, you know, keeping him in staying out of those long, deep throws. Let's face it, he doesn't have a strong going. He's going to throw you, threaten you 54, 55 yards down the field. You know, he's not Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. These guys can gunsling it deep down the field. You know, he looks like a younger version of a Tom Brady, you know, when Brady first started. Brady arm is a lot stronger, I think. But I think Matt, when you think about it from – from head between the ears, you know, he gets it. You know, he understands football. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, him playing under Coach Saban. So I don't think he would fret if they would get down 14-0. I think it's just a matter of him it just maintaining and not panicking where he feel like he got to start forcing throws and trying to throw things, uh, throw this team into a victory. Because we've seen the Patriots come back from before. Shoot, we was up when I was playing for Cleveland, up almost two touchdowns with two minutes to go, and we find mm. a way to lose the game. You know, so – it's just, you know, things happen in the NFL, but as a young quarterback, don't feel like you have to force the ball in the areas just because you're trying to climb back into a football game. If you're Mac Jones, what are you doing today? Cam Newton is cut a couple of days ago. Are you mentioning it to guys? Are you going up to guys individually in the locker room and talking to them one-on-one? Or are you just kind of letting it go and just in the huddle, hey, here's what we're doing? How do you handle it? Well, you just kind of let it go. Everything takes care of itself in time. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he had a good relationship with Cam. And this is just the business part of it. This is the NFL. You know, you, you can't control a lot of business decisions that's going to get made. Every year, there's one or two guys that comes down to the bubble. They get cut, and you be like, wow, didn't see that one coming. But I think New England made this decision because Cam, let's face it, you know, Cam mannerisms and everything about Cam is so big, you know. And I just don't think it would, it would work well for him to sit behind Matt Jones as a rookie and start and he's standing on the sideline i just don't think his his mindset is there yet i don't think he's ready to give up being a starter in the nfl and like i said you know guys have egos a little bit and i think you know that may have been too much for him when they probably asked him hey did you mind being a backup if we was to go to mac and he might have told him like you know just give me an opportunity to go somewhere else and uh have an opportunity to start somewhere else you know i just don't i think if it was a veteran quarterback and they asked him to hey sit behind it may be a different story, but because it's a rookie, that kind of does something to a 10-year vet ego. So it would be hard for Cam to be a backup. Would it be hard in your mind for Mac Jones to have Cam be the backup? I'm sure he likes Cam, as you said, but you're trying to get guys to buy into you. There might be some guys who are still on Cam's side. The media is asking about Cam every week. How hard would that be for Mac Jones? That would be hard because, think it, like uh, I understand he was in the locker room with Tua. He was in the locker room with – uh, Jalen Hurts, but these guys was already in front of him. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of like Jalen ended up transferring to Oklahoma. Two end up playing, then all of a sudden he leaves and goes to the NFL. Then it kind of falls to Matt Jones. Where in this situation, when you have a guy like Cam, let's think Cam won the Heisman five years ago, he was the league MVP. So to have this guy sitting behind you, it can cause some type of division within the locker room if they was to sputter early in the season. And then he's looking over his shoulder. So I think a lot of the reason they released Cam was the fact that, hey, Cam, we're going to give you your freedom to go somewhere else. But for Matt, we want you to have the comfort to know that this is your team moving forward. And we're with you through the highs and the lows. And you don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder. You don't have to worry about the pressure of a magnitude of a quarterback with the name Cam. And uh, so I think, you know, it was a decision that they made based off of that because they want him to be less level-headed and as comfortable as possible because let's face it cam probably does have friends on that team you know and and 
and and Max probably won a lot of guys over as well just because the way that he works and you know those five days that Cam was out for the COVID thing I think that was the real breaker I think that was the real thing that gave Matt Jones that opportunity to take that next step where you heard he completed all those passes in practice that day and I think that was the the one thing that kind of got Cam out of New England was when Matt was able to participate in those in those drills against another team for a couple of days and they got a chance to see something say hey I don't think we need to wait another year I think we can go ahead and ride with this kid right now so let's just go ahead and uh you know talk to Cam go ahead and remove Cam now if Cam was there during those five days I don't think this decision happens because you don't get a chance to see as much as Matt Jones as they did against another team in in joint practices Former NFL quarterback Jason Campbell with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. Jason, I want to ask you this. I've asked you a lot of questions about your perspective as being the first-round pick, the young guy. Let me ask you about it from the veteran side of things. If you're Cam, are you blindsided by what happened? Or the minute the first-round quarterback is chosen, do you kind of know the writings on the wall eventually? Yeah, you already know the writings on the wall. I think for Cam, though, I think he thought he'd probably get this year. Uh, yeah. You know, from a mentality standpoint, let's face it, he signed a one-year contract. You know that when you sign a one-year contract that's pretty much telling you is is this year only and i think for him the fact that when he saw matt jones get drafted it's like okay how can i preserve this one year to showcase what i can do and then i can probably sign with another team on a three-year deal after this season mm-hmm. but now everything's got ruffled the feathers got ruffled now you go all the way up to training camp you've been there through otas mini camps this is the hardest part about any veteran getting cut is the day or the last cut because now you don't have a time to go vie for a star position somewhere else because it's pretty much set in stone with other teams with their quarterbacks. Now you're probably just trying to get on the roster as a backup. And if a guy gets hurt, then okay, you get the opportunity to go in, you get a chance to play. But as far as him trying to be a starter this far in the game, this late in the game, I just don't think it's going to happen unless someone. Well, we appreciate you there. Unless someone gets hurt, I believe is uh, where that was going. So Jason, we appreciate the time, man. We will, Definitely do it again sometime. That's Jason Campbell, former NFL quarterback, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEB, WDEV rather, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. So, great perspective there. We will use a lot of that sound over the course of the next week as we get you ready for Patriots and Dolphins as well. So, Jason Campbell, a great career, more than a decade in the NFL, more than a decade in the NFL, playing across five teams, played with the with the uh, Washington football team, pretty good with the Raiders. He was with the Bengals, the Browns, and the Bears as well. And he's an Auburn guy just like Cam Newton is. So, by the way, Cam Newton broke Jason Campbell's record. Jason Campbell had the longest touchdown pass in Auburn history, 87 yards. Cam Newton broke it, getting a 94-yard touchdown strike in Cam's only year at Auburn where Cam went on to win a national championship. So, appreciate Jason Campbell's time for joining us. When we come back, we'll get more into this. If something I read is true, it shows just how cruel the business of the NFL is. That's next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball comes up in about six minutes. We'll get you out to Tropicana Field for game four of the four-game series with the lineups here momentarily. The show is brought to you in part by Pro Driver Training. That's Vermont's premier truck driver training school. They're online at prodrivercdl.com. To help you get your Class A CDL, Class B CDL, do some advanced skills training, some passenger stuff as well, 
book coursework, as well as real-life application of those book-learned skills. It's ProDriverCDL.com. The Cam Newton situation may give an inkling into just how brutal the business of football is, okay? I believe that Cam Newton's lack of vaccination was a part of his release, okay? Either the team didn't want to deal with him potentially being unavailable or simply him being out showed that Mac Jones could run the ship. I believe lack of vaccination mattered here in the release. But something else that may have mattered is something that we talked about a little bit over the course of the last couple of days. Cam Newton may have been released because he was too good a teammate. I was reading our guy, Doug Kide of Pro Football Focus the other day, and he said, Newton is not viewed as an ideal backup for a few reasons. He's a popular player and team leader. It would have been an uncomfortable situation to relegate him to backup status given his command of the locker room. This mirrors something that I said earlier this week, that basically Cam Newton has so much respect in that locker room that it would be really hard for Mac Jones to overcome that. And I believe that that is true. But what a cruel business the NFL is, if that really is the case. Because when we talk about guys in the draft and we talk about young players, we put so much emphasis on if a guy is a good leader and if a guy is a good teammate and if a guy is well-liked and if a guy is easy to rally around and we usually get upset if you're not those things if you're not a good leader we dock you if you're not a good teammate we dock you cam newton was all of those things and he got cut in this case cam newton may have been too good a guy to keep around and how unfair is that usually we cut guys because they don't have the intangibles because they're sulky because they're selfish because they're not about the team because they're looking out for them we cut guys who don't have the intangibles we hardly ever cut the guys because they have the intangibles and cam newton part of the story is he's apparently too valuable to the team to keep around the other guys like him too much and that may cause problems for mac jones i get it i agree that having cam newton there might be a problem for mac jones because he's always going to be looking over his shoulder and wondering who who's with him and who's with cam it's a very real locker room dynamic i get it from that rate getting rid of cam protects mac jones but how brutal is this business where a guy who is a who is a you know Everybody has proclaimed to be a good guy. Cam Newton won the Media Good Guy Award for the Patriots last year. Cam Newton did nothing wrong in his tenure in Foxborough from a public relations standpoint, from a team standpoint, from a locker room standpoint. He was nothing but a unifier. And in fact, he was so unifying that now the team feels like they got to get rid of him. That is just, it, it stinks, frankly. I get it. Cam not being there is good for Mac Jones in some ways. But it's unfortunate that when we put such an emphasis on all the intangibles, on all the little things, and we value those things, that now we're docking a guy 
because he's done those things too well. It just shows you how brutal this business can be. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball comes up in two minutes. Lineups now. Red Sox coming to this one nine games back of the Rays in the American League East. The Oakland A's, by the way, won today 8-6, so the Red Sox are now a game and a half up on Oakland for that second wild card spot. Boston 76-59, Tampa 84-49. and Eduardo Rodriguez is on the mound for the Sox. Shane McClanahan is on the mound for the Rays. By the way, eight and a half is the difference right now between Tampa and the Sox. Hunter Renfro leads off for Boston. He's in right. Kyle Schwarber, the DH. J.D. Martinez in left. Rafael Devers is at third. Bobby Dahlbeck's at first. Christian Vasquez is the catcher. Danny Santana's back. He's in center field. Jack Lopez, the Olympians, at second. And Jonathan Arauz is at shortstop. Randy Arozarena leads off for the Rays. He's in right. Nelson Cruz is the DH. Wander Franco, the rookie, is at short. Yandy Diaz is at first. Manuel Margot is in center. Brandon Lau is back in the lineup. He's at second. Mike Zanino is the catcher. Jordan Luplo is in left. And Taylor Walls is the third baseman. And he bats ninth. Again, as it stands right now in the American League East coming in today. Now, I was right the first time, by the way. Nine is the difference. My quick math here, trying to read this uh, records here and do some basic math. Incorrect. So I was right the first time. Nine games separate the Rays and the Red Sox in the standings. The Yankees are seven back of Tampa. The Sox are two back of them. Erod against Shane McClanahan coming up in about 15 seconds from now with the pregame show. First pitch is 7-10. Tomorrow on the Brady Farkas Show, we'll recap this one and get you ready for your weekend. The Jason Campbell interview and the full show podcast will be available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we will see you tomorrow on DEV. Go Sox.